Ladies and gentlemen, fellas, 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 welcome back to the podcast and the YouTube channel. Sal Vetcher here, and I am excited to be back. We're doing this a day later because I was traveling on Monday. had a really nice and fun weekend. Had all of Monday in travel, about eight hours or so between flights and layovers to do a ton more research. Heading into this picks video that we normally have coming into the Wednesday live stream on YouTube, the Closing Thoughts podcast. Still, still a lot of way to go. Don't get me wrong, building lineups and stuff, but I have detailed notes on about 20 golfers that I don't normally do at this point in the day. I normally have those on a handful of golfers, but I just know and have looked at some things, and based on some recent form, we discuss it from there as the show goes on, but now I'm going to be posting that on Patreon, I'm going to be using that during the show, and if you're brand new here, we're going to do what we usually do, we'll give you a brief of what the course is right at the start, you know, you got to know where you're playing, you got to know who's in the field, just a little bit of a brief, but then we're going to go through every single range, and this week is a, is a doozy, if you will, based on, I posted on Twitter, um, 33 to 1, Russell Henley opening up odds, look, Russell Henley has, he's coming off of like a, a seventh place finish, uh, top 30 after that or 32nd place finish so he's been playing good but yeah, he's 33 to 1 to win this event so you know exactly how the field type is especially when Corey Connors has pulled out a bunch of guys have pulled out I mean Brendan Todd those are two of the biggest names in this field have now pulled out it's going to be a weaker field but I think it gives us a really big edge especially when you get to the 6k range for the people who are actually putting the time in and the work in and that's what I plan to do this week so if you don't want to put all the time and work in that, that's completely fine you can watch these videos you can hit the like button for me if this is your first time here welcome my name's Sal Vetri cover fantasy sports in a variety of different areas we got a Millie Maker this week, and uh, somebody that's watching this video, go ahead and bink that Millie Maker, you know, go ahead and change your life, but for right now, hit the like button and the big subscribe button, we're like 100 subscribers away, so if you've seen one of my videos before and you think they're cool and you just haven't taken the time, please, I, I, I beg of you, hit the like button and the subscribe button, big one is the subscribe button and notification bell, but if this is your first time, watch it a little bit, see if you get any value during it, and if you do at some point, please do hit that subscribe button. And as always, if you're listening on the podcast or if you're watching on YouTube and you want to go over to the podcast, the Salvetri Show, $50 giveaway every single week. Now, more people, since I've been promoting this more, are doing the giveaway. It's you just leave a rate and review. It takes 30 seconds of your time or two seconds of your time to hit the five stars. And it takes about 20 seconds of your time to say something nice about this show. It's a Salvetri Show on iTunes. Again, $50 giveaway. You still probably have like a one in five to a one in 10 chance. Some weeks people only do it like two people. So you got 50-50 chance. So go ahead and do that. The podcast will be linked below or you can just search the Salvatry show. Leaving a review boosts us up the rankings to the point where we can be like we were like 24th uh, last time I checked. So if we can get into like the top 10 for fantasy podcasts with all the heavy hitters as a, a little engine that could appreciate all of you so much. So why don't we get into this course? Hope you all had a fantastic weekend, by the way. Hope you all had a very profitable weekend from last week. It was a very good weekend for myself. John Rom 22 to 1 betting ticket. John Rom 40% owned was my high zone golfer. And it pays off when the guy goes out there and wins. It was mainly a price and value play, but yeah, go ahead and win. And that's what we said. The guy has win upside and we only needed like a top 15 from him at that price point. This week, we're going to the 3M Open in Minnesota. It's TPC Twin Cities. And what you're going to get here is the second time that they're playing at this course. The inaugural season was last year. And it's a 7,114 yards, par 72. Arnold Palmer designed this course. And what you're going to see on this course is, at least from last year, long roughs, a calm winds, bent grass greens, and it played pretty easy. So when I look at some of the key stats that I normally look at, post some of this stuff up on the screen last week. Unlike last week, around the green is not going to factor as much. Around the green was very very important. One of the most important places, if not the most important around the green places was last week. So guys who normally are not great around the greens and maybe their short games are off because of that is a situation like a Doc Redman last week that I kind of stayed away from now. Doc Redman blew up with the putter as well. So it just kind of worked out, but he lost over two strokes around the green this week. I'm not too concerned about around the green play, especially for guys like Doc Redman who have really strong
strong irons. This week, I'm looking at ball striking, your second shot ability, your iron play, your approach. Once again, your, your second or third shot ability, depending on if it's a par four, par five, your approach there. And then as always, T to green play. Those are the main things I'm going to be weighting in a model. Now, there's a lot of other things, right? You're always going to weight your driving accuracy, your driving distance. But those are the main things that I really want to focus on this week when I'm profiling out golfers is their ball striking, their iron play. This course plays very similar, I would say, to Rocket Mortgage in terms of the profile of it, right? Your ball striking ability, but also it's a pretty easy course to hit the fairways. It's 5% easier hitting the fairways than course average. And the other thing, 9 to 10, about 9.5% easier to hit the green in regulation. So pretty much just getting on the green in regulation and how many shots that you're supposed to, depending on if it's a par 4 or a par 5. And that's exactly what uh, you were seeing, about a 10% difference in each of them at Rocket Mortgage. So a little less easier than Rocket Mortgage, which is just a cakewalk for back-to-back -back years now since that started. But this one is also going to be pretty easy, at least to just be accurate in the fairway and then be accurate getting on the green. And then it all comes down to at that point is just what your irons can do, get you as close as you can do and hit your three and five foot putts instead of 10 to 15 footers. And then since this is an easy course and I expect some low scores, birdie or better averages, and then just birdie average in general, I'll be waiting par five scoring from 550 to 600 yards. The three par fives average 563 yards on this course. Now it's a much weaker field, right? It's headlined by the guys that are on the screen behind me right now in the 10 K range. Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Tony Finau, Tommy Fleetwood, and Paul Casey. I mean, you have this week in the 9K range, uh, Harris English, who was in the low 7K range last week, Matthew Wolf, who was in the mid 7K range. Guys in this 8K range are literally 6K golfers. Now, Henrik Norlander gets a $2,300 price bump. And to be honest, he should have been in the 7K range last week. But still, this this range of Sam Burns, this range of Luke List, Patrick Rogers, these are the 6K players. Even EVR is normally in the, the mid to low 7K range. Doc Redman has been historically in the 6K range until the last couple of weeks because he's been improving and becoming a much better golfer. I give him that. But even then, he's in the 7K range. It's going to be an interesting and much different. It's a worse field than the Rocket Mortgage, in my opinion, especially with all the people dropping out right now. So it's going to be fun to kind of break down. It's going to be a week where I, I probably will play the same amount of usage in this. Uh, maybe not in the betting markets, but in DraftKings. I feel confident about the slate. I feel confident about my research and abilities. So should be a fun one. Matthew Wolf is your defending champion here. And players who finished top 10 last year and are now here again, so top 10 in the first year, are going to be Matthew Wolf because he won. Brian Harmon. Sam Burns has been playing very well as of late. Keep an eye on him pretty sneaky. I ended up getting a bet in on him. You can watch the betting show for my full betting card, a breakdown, and th some guys that I'm looking at. Normally, that show comes out on Tuesdays, and this show comes out on Mondays. But again, because of the travel, we did push it back. And then you ended up also having Wyndham Clark, Corlos Ortiz, Troy Merritt, and Lucas Glover on the top 10 last year. That field last year was probably more difficult than this year. So those guys are here again and in a weaker field. So it's good to see they have some sort of experience if you want to give them that. So why don't we start this bad boy off in the 10K range? Now, these are these are going to be early interest, right? These are interests that I took on Monday throughout the day while I was researching. And again, Wednesday, I do a live stream. So be sure to hit the like, hit the subscribe button and that notification bell. So you know, when I go live, if you want to ask me any questions, a lot of people try and reach out on Twitter. I actually closed my DMs off the only people I follow because because of everything that's going on, I probably get about uh, 20 to 25 DMs a day at this point, just asking about people entering your lineup. I appreciate those. I appreciate you wanting to reach out to me, but I, I can't be spending like uh, almost an hour a day responding to DMs. It's just not efficient for my personal life or just my business life. So uh, you can ask the comments on YouTube and I try and get back to them. But the main one is that live stream. And then obviously you can always become a patron, patron down below at the golfer projections. I have the golfer rankings. I have that closing thoughts podcast on Wednesday. I'll be putting out the notes on about 20 of these golfers that I took some pretty in-depth notes, some things that I thought were pretty interesting. And then also I'll be putting out the notes for the courses I do every week. So you can follow me on there. You can support me on there. Not only do you get golf, you get some other sports. NBA is coming back projections daily on that. You have the MMA projections right now going up there. So be sure to support me over there if you would like to. And then especially if you're somebody who only wants to use the free content, which is completely fine. I do that for many of creators in different areas that I like to enjoy and, and get educated from. Uh, but if you do, if you go out and you bank a $10,000 contest, come back and consider supporting me over on Patreon. So with that said, Dustin, 
Dustin Johnson at the top of this leaderboard. It makes sense that he's the top price, but 11,500 is pretty crazy. But then you look at this field and you're like, okay, well, once I get to the 9K range, literally, it's a bunch of 7K golfers and a lot of guys who have been struggling as of late. And even the guys who aren't struggling, like a Harris English, who's been playing very consistent this year, he's 9K, right? A Russell Henley, who is known to just bomb. And even though he's been finishing nicely as of late, 7th place, 32nd place finish, we mentioned at the top of the show, the guy just doesn't score. Birdie or better average is outside the top 100. He's 60th in DK scoring in this field, which is a weak field. So I'm supposed to pay $9,200 for a guy that's literally going to have to finish probably top five for him to pay off his salary, top 10, right? Just because he doesn't pick up birdies and doesn't score in other ways. You go up to the top and you say, okay, well, Dustin Johnson, what do I expect from him? Well, if you get anything with the putter, you're probably going to have a huge week, right? So this year, his putter has been very hot and cold. There's been three spots where Dustin Johnson has gained strokes putting. He gained six strokes of the Travelers. He won that contest. He gained six and a half strokes of the Tour of Champions to start off the year. He finished seventh. He gained 1.7 strokes at Genesis. He finished 10th. Those are his three top 10 finishes overall in this year. Now, Tour Champions was a smaller field, but you get the point. He's lost everywhere else this year, and he has pretty much not finished great anywhere else. Best finish other than those that I just named, 32nd place. Other than that, a bunch of missed cuts, a bunch of 50th place finishes. So it comes down to the putter. And at this price point of 11500 it's uh, pretty sketchy to have to come down to the putter, if you ask me. Now, last year was his worst performance of his career. At least that's in databases that I use and, and follow. 13 strokes loss was the worst for him. So when you're looking at it that way, yeah, it's probably you're going to get something that bounces back. When you're looking at it with Dustin Johnson last week, ended up losing just in the putting department alone. Like we said, if you're not getting anything from the putter from DJ, it's going to be a tough week. But just putting alone last week, he lost 6.2 strokes, something similar that he did at the WGC Mexico, losing 6.2 strokes as well. But when you look at DJ's game, the biggest things for him is that his irons are not that great. Now, relative to this field, he's probably just going to be naturally better than a lot of guys in it with the irons. But he's known for tee to green. He's known for off the tee. And then sometimes the putter clicks, but he can get very hot with birdie or better. And that's something that you want, but you're going to need that. 11,500, DJ's probably going to have to finish with a top five performance or a top 10 with very high scoring performances, having an eagle or two and a lot of birdies. So for me, DJ's in play, but I'm not automatically starting my lineup there because it's not even like he's been showing fantastic form. You win a tournament, so it's crazy to say this guy's not showing fantastic form, but he's kind of all over the place still, right? Sporadic with missed cuts, sporadic with finishes in the in the 40s and in 50s. And now if he's $9,800 DJ, 10,200, that's a different story. But he's 11,500. He does constrict you and force you to go back into that 6K range most likely this week where there's a bunch of guys you probably don't know until you watch this video and some of the other content during this week so dj is definitely in play for me brooks kepka kind of sketchy that right they said that uh, it wasn't a re-injury that he ended up having but they thought that he was going to be healed from his previous injury by this point and they looked at his uh, his knit injury and he ended up still not being healed from it so he's still dealing with similar maybe not pain but just discomfort that he has been for really since the pandemic started which is not good to see and maybe that explains how he's been playing as of late but if you want to just look at brooks kepka some of the notes that i took on him his putter's been great since the return. He's averaging over two strokes gain. I think it's about 2.2 strokes gain per tournament putting. That's fantastic. But he lost 5.1 strokes on approach last week and six strokes tee to green last week. So that's not good at all. But it's kind of hard, right? You kind of want to give these guys a mulligan because on Saturday and Sunday, the course played extremely difficult, like probably more difficult than any major is going to play this year, to be completely honest with you. The wind picked up at the times, but just in general, like they made that course very hard, especially on Sunday when John Rahm opened up a huge lead. They probably wanted to maybe make the course a little bit harder to have uh, something be competitive down the stretch, which it almost became. His game to me is just overall sketchy. And it's not even that it's sketchy. It's that he's 11,200. It's the same story for Dustin Johnson. I just trust Dustin Johnson's game a little bit more. He's had a little bit more success this season, a little bit more outings. He's not playing with discomfort or potentially an injury. And he's the same price point. So if I want to go up to this 11K range, I'm just going to go all the way up to Dustin Johnson for $300 more. It's just all about trust when I'm looking at Dustin Johnson. Like you've seen very good rounds out of Brooks and the putter has been very hot, right? Gaining 4.7 strokes, 3.8 strokes in recent weeks. Last week, 2.7 strokes. But there's also been 
blow up rounds and you just don't see consistency. You see him play very well for one round and then it's just really bad. It's not even like floating across for a round or two. It's just very bad rounds or pretty strong rounds. And it seems to come all down to how much he puts that day and avoids catastrophic blow ups, whether it's on the approach and that's where it's been as of late or last week around the green. So early in the week, at least Brooks Kepka for me is not somebody, although I went back to him last week a lot at the price point that was very favorable. This week at this price point, probably not. Now, Tony Finau, 10,900, right? Coming off of leading last week's tournament for Thursday and Friday, but then he ended up just finishing or losing 3.89 strokes tee to green on the weekend. He gained over eight strokes in Thursday, Friday alone, and then he collapses on the weekends. The putter was too hot to start, right? It was just, it was inevitable in a way, maybe not losing the entire tournament, but falling out or falling back a little bit. He gained 4.42 strokes with the putter. He led the field by almost over a stroke. That's not something Tony Finau ever does. That's the weakest part of his game, although I'll give him credit because it is improving. Now, I just prefer Tommy Fleetwood, we'll talk about in a second, and I prefer Dustin Johnson to the price point. You're paying $10,900 for Tony Finau, a guy who, say what you want about him, he does compete, but he has not yet won in a major way. And that is a concern at this price point. I want to have that win upside in there. And now, obviously, Webb Simpson took one from him earlier in the year. Um, You just saw him competing this weekend, and it's a weaker field. So he has a great shot at winning this tournament. And I hope that the guy eventually does. But 14 to 1 odds, I'm not betting that number. And at 10,900, I just prefer the guy below him and Tommy Fleetwood, who has one. And although we haven't seen him in a while, which has been a concern for guys like Hideki and Tiger coming back, most players who have returned from long layoffs and in, in really every golfer when they had to come back, but Hatton and Paul Casey and Patrick Cantley and these premier golfers who were uh, top 15 in Tommy Fleetwood's case, top 12 in the world. Yeah, I'm going to trust him a little bit. And not only that, I think you get a built-in discount. If Tommy Fleetwood had played last week and looked decent, I think he's in, in the 11K range, probably ahead of Brooks and maybe even the most expensive golfer in this field. So for me, although Tony Finau sets up nicely, you know, you're going to get six in approach, third in DK scoring. He looked good last week, fell apart a little bit. It's probably something that I just stay away from because of the price. Now, maybe I'll go in here and I'll just do this, right? I'll make him a maybe because maybe I don't 100% fade him. And, and all these guys up here, even Brooks, I'm not sure I'm in 100% fade him. Now, maybe one of them that I will, right? Just exclude him from the player pool. But a lot of these guys, I might just get like five to 7% of. Last week, I had like 5% of Colin Morikawa, like 7% of Justin Thomas, 8% or 9%, something like that, 10% of uh, Dustin Johnson. So that's what ends up happening. I'm just fading them and being well below the 20% number that they're going to probably come in at. Now, Tommy Fleetwood, and I won't go through every single player here, but some of these guys up top, I think it's important, especially the ones that are like the only quote unquote studs in the entire field. And then we'll break down in depth into some of the other ones um, in the other ranges, just kind of briefly pointing out guys. But Tommy Fleetwood is somebody that I do like. He has not played an event, a full event, right? He played at the players and then he missed the cut at the API, but a full event since March, he played at the Honda. He finished third place there. Returning players, like I said, have been mostly fine for the most part. And I trust Tommy Fleetwood's skill set, a guy who's normally just a safe bet to make a cut for you and finish pretty highly. We've only seen Tommy four times this year. So overall, what his game looks like, kind of still a question mark, right? 18th at the WGC in Mexico in a stacked field. That is not this field. Third at the Honda, which is a little bit closer to this field, but nowhere close still to this field. Uh, this field is the worst in the year, in my opinion. Missed cut at the API, and then he did not finish the players because, of course, the pandemic takes over. But what I'm looking at right now, Tommy Fleetwood missed the cut at the API. He lost strokes in all four major categories, finished with his worst tee to green performance in, uh, since 2015. So I'm not going to be taking that as any type of weight for the last four months. The guy has definitely been playing golf since then. Just fits the course very nicely if I'm looking at it, right? You're getting a guy who, although I really like to look at guys who are great ball strikers here, he sticks in that department. Uh, approach plays about top 20 in this in this field. So that's great to see. And then T to green, he's an elite player third in this field. So going to be getting to Tommy Fleetwood and going to be getting to Paul Casey. My two favorite plays in the 10K plus range as of right now, Tommy Fleetwood, Paul Casey in that order. I might actually come in here and I'm going to make Paul Casey a yes because I do like him more than Finau and Dustin Johnson. And I want that to be stated based on you watching this video at home. I mean, the course just sets up perfectly in my opinion for Paul Casey. You're looking at a guy who ranks number one in ball striking and approach in this field. What did I say at the top of the show? I want to be looking at ball striking approach and T to green more than anything else. It's easier to hit fairways here. It's easier to hit the greens regulation. Paul Casey screwed me over in a lot of my lineups. My main lineup, only guy who didn't make the cut, and I was expecting him to be one of the guys who had the best 
odds of making the cut, right? When you, you shoot an eight on a par three, that's going to happen. But then he was in the cut line and then he fell apart towards the end again, missing the cut on the number. Hopefully that leaves a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. And he is expensive, but starting your lineups with Tommy Fleetwood and Paul Casey, I don't hate that idea. You're going to have to find some sort of diamonds in the roughs right down below, but we're going to identify some options here. But Paul Casey fits this course very nicely. And even you even get an advantage off the tee, which isn't going to matter on as much on a 7,100 yard course, but when it's easier to keep it in the fairway, if you're getting an advantage off the tee and your irons are hot fire, like Paul Casey's are at least relative to this field, it's going to be good. So for, for me, Paul Casey uh, being 10th in DK scoring as well, looks like a really strong play. Him and Tommy Fleetwood round out the 10K range is my favorite place. So now in the 9K range, I'm not too interested in Bubba. The putter since the return has just been absolutely terrible. Now he actually showed some decent form on approach last week, like very good form on approach and with the tee to green. So if you want to get there, that's fine. Like I'm not paying $9,900 for Bubba. If he wins the tournament, fine. Congrats to him. That's great. Uh, I'm not betting that number. I will mention that Tommy Fleetwood and Paul Casey's numbers at the top are the ones that I like the most, but I'm not touching anything in the teens. Paul Casey at 25 to one, I do have a bet in on. So I should, I should note that here. So 25 to one, I started my betting card here. It wasn't the first bet that I ended up placing, but it is something that I ended up going back to. Matthew Wolf at this price point, I was debating it right. $9,700, very expensive, but with the field, the defending champ, he's going to naturally pick up ownership. He's coming off of some decent form, but he gained two and a half strokes with the putter something that Matthew Wolf has been playing very well with the putter since the return, I would say, at least at the workday, he blew up the, the Memorial, who played a little bit better there. Around the green was his major concern, which again, not going to matter as much here. If anything, around the green and approach are his biggest concerns overall. So the approach play is overall concern for me, but he's just a guy who can be very fluctuating, right? For $9,700, he looks a lot like Bubba in terms of Bubba's missed four cuts in a row. It was the first time he missed three cuts in a row. So now it's definitely the first time that Bubba's missed four cuts in a row. But Matthew Wolf seems very much like Bubba to me, um, maybe even worse than the fact that, look, he's very inconsistent system. Still a young player. And maybe this is when things start to click, click, right? Second at the Rock Mortgage, which is a very easy course. He won this event last year. So maybe he just dominates easy courses. And if that's the case, you're getting a steal at $9,700 for a guy who should be a 10K plus range player if he just dominates these easy courses where there's weaker fields. Um, right now, maybe he's not as harsh as I'm being here with the no that I had placed on him, but I just factored, or at least I figured that he's probably going to pick up ownership just because he is the defending champ. And yes, he's coming off a decent form at the Memorial and Rock and Mortgage, but during his last five starts and really since the return, he's also had three missed cuts. He's also had two finishes that are outside the top 50. So this is not a golfer that is $9,700. And you say, okay, yeah, I'm, I, this guy's going to make the cut. It's just how high is he finishing in the top 30? No, this is a golfer that you're out there saying, man, I hope he doesn't blow up one round and just absolutely finish dead fucking last because he has that in his range of outcomes. And I don't really want that as the first or second guy into my lineup. So I'm going to put an X by him for now, just to check the ownership, but odds are, I don't have a ton of Matthew Wolf, even though he profiles out as a guy who has dominated some easy courses. It's just the inconsistency that worries me. Lucas Glover has been playing well as of late nothing major to say there outside of he's just been chugging along he's $9,400 and you could tell me that he was $8,200 this week and I would probably tell you that that's a fair price so $9,400 if anything uh, overpriced but this field I guess it's fair Russell Henley is somebody that I wanted to look into because of the fact that his odds opened up 33 to 1 right because of the fact that he's gaining a lot of hype at least in my opinion from things that I've seen early on just being on the plane yesterday and I put out the tweet 33 to 1 Russell Henley and it seemed as if uh, some people thought that that was a knock at Russell Henley and no it was just a knock at this field in general but look the approach play has been solid since the turn, right? Last two events, he's gained over eight strokes, 8.2, and then six strokes on approach. He gained last week, 11 strokes tee to green the week before 9.1. So those are fantastic numbers, right? He ranks 102nd in this field in putting, and he lost strokes putting in seven of his last nine contests and five of his last six. And here's the issue. At this price point, I don't know how Russell Henley is going to pay it off unless he finishes top 10 or top five and probably closer to top five. He's 60th in this field, in this bad field. He's the 60th ranked golfer, although he's the ninth most expensive in DraftKings scoring. Where does that come from? It comes from 
one placing and your ability to go birdie or better averages, right? Your your eagles and your birdies and your birdie streaks and avoiding bogeys. Now he's very good at avoiding bogeys. I think he's second in the field in that department, but he's 103rd in birdie averages and 102nd in birdie or better averages. So when you have a guy who's coming with some nice form, although he can be very, very sporadic, again, a guy in, in this field, a lot of these guys are going to be pretty inconsistent that are up high, but he just doesn't score. I don't want to go to him, right? I'd rather go to Matthew Wolf than Russell Henley. So that's why I have Henley as a no right now. And I'd much, much rather go to a guy in Harris English, who's 9,300, my favorite play right now in the 9K range, and he ends up being the cheapest. So those things round out pretty nicely for us. He's number one in this field in strokes gain total right now over his last 50 rounds in Harris English. When you just look at Harris English, he continues to play very strong, picking up another top 20 last week, even in a difficult field and on a difficult course. He finishing 13th in T to green at the Memorial, and he rates out pretty nicely here as a top 10 player. And it, it makes sense. He's the 10th most expensive player. So it is pretty nice. You're just looking at everything that he does well. He's very, very consistent. In this field, he's a top eight ball striker, top six T to green player, ninth overall in the short game, and he's 10th in drafting scoring. Uh, the irons are fine. So everything checks out for Harris English. If you told me Harris English was $9,700, I'd say he's too expensive. But right now, in my opinion, Harris English is a better golfer than Matthew Wolf, at least this year. And this is not saying their careers. I assume that hopefully that Wolf ends up uh, continuing to be consistent or becomes more consistent. And then he surpasses a guy like Harris English. But right now, Harris English consistency is better. Wolf is just getting that recent form and probably more so the course history bump of winning here last year. But Harris English, my favorite play in the 9K range. Now, likely the most polarizing range on the slate is the 8K range. And then we'll go through pretty quickly the 6K range. Uh, there's some names that I want to point out, but nothing major. We go more in depth there on the Wednesday shows on the, the free stream here on YouTube. And then also the Wednesday show over on Patreon. But take a second of your time, hit the like, hit the big old subscribe button that popped up. And the logo above is Super Jeff. If you use the promo code SAL, I believe it is on Super Jeff, S-A-L, you get 10 free dollars to play with and a bonus up to 50 dollars of 100% deposit bonus. And what is it? It's just a multiplier format. So it's not salary cap based like your DraftKings or FanDuel or Fantasy Draft. It's very nice because you just get the, the multiplier format. You can play any single golf you want. You want to play all these 10K guys, right? Tony Finau, Tommy Fleetwood, Paul Casey, Dustin Johnson, play them all. You only get a 1X multiplier though. So you have to mix in some strategy. You play a guy in the 6K range that's on DraftKings. He's likely going to be like a 1.5X multiplier over on Superdraft. So if he finishes with a top 10, he's probably going to be the highest scoring player in the slate because he gets an extra 50% points on top of his original scoring. So it's just a different way to play. You can play whoever you want. You can play your favorite guys. You don't have to worry about fitting them into a salary. I like it. It's sort of refreshing. And again, if you want 10 free dollars and to support this channel as well, all you do is go over there, use the promo code SAL, and you'll get 10 free dollars to play with upon deposit. Check it out. Superdraft linked down below all that stuff. Hit the subscribe button as well. Let's get into this 8K range. So EVR is somebody that I, I had the opportunity to place a 15 to 1 bet on. I just didn't pull the trigger on it. I, I didn't want to at that point. Um, I ended up putting my money at, in that range at Doc Redman at 15 to 1. I ended up putting my money on Sam Burns. I think I got him at 80 to 1 right at open. So that's where my money went to in this range. So EVR, I think he's fine. He finished fourth on Sunday in T to green play last week in that overall tournament at the Memorial. He finished fifth in T to green in a very loaded field. So you are coming off of some recent form for EVR. So if you want to get to him here at $8,800, I do think it's fair. I think these 8K range players, some of them, although they were in the 6K range last week, they start to become more fairly priced because I, I view a lot of them as very close to the 9K range and you're getting them for $1,000 to $1,500 cheaper. In some cases, almost $2,000 cheaper. So what you're getting out of EVR is the number two DraftKings score. So that's good to see. And that makes the price point pretty fair. A putter is always the issue for him. He's coming in with the recent form and he's ninth in approach in this field. Doc Redman for me, 50 to one odds. Last week, he did not fit that field, right? I, I mentioned it on all the shows that I think I did. His around the green play was terrifying to me for a guy who needed that to come in last week. And it wasn't there. He lost six 
strokes spunning, lost two strokes around the green. And his irons actually ended up helping him out a ton. It just wasn't enough for the guy when you're losing that much in your short game. But he's number five in approach in this field. He continues to struggle around the green, but that's not going to matter as much here because it's just easy to hit the green regulation. So you don't got to be working around the green as much, especially when you have hot fire irons like Doc Redman does entering this field. Like I said, top five overall. It was the second worst putting performance in his career. So I expect that to naturally bounce back. So it's a good situation for Doc Redman. He struggled at the 3M last year, T to green, and he lost around the green as well. But that was a totally different golfer than we're seeing over the last, really since the restart from Doc Redman. I think he's maybe one of my favorite too, if not my favorite play on the entire slate, but definitely in the 8K range at 8,700. Norlander gets a $2,300 bump. Uh, it's hard not to like what Norlander's been doing as of late. He's just continuing to putt well his last two performances out there. You're getting his recent form plus his finishing has been great. But when does it stop is my opinion. Probably not the easiest course, but we'll see. Second in the field last week in strokes game putting after gaining three and a half strokes the week before that, not something he normally does. But he was outside the top 30 in T to green back-to-back weeks that he kind of struggled in other departments. Now, maybe it was just the course because they did play back-to-back in Muirfield Village. What you're getting out of him is four straight made cuts where he's finished 41st, 12th, 6th, 31st, and 6th. So five straight made cuts. Correct myself there. His putter's due to regress though because he's gained 8.4, 3.6, and 8.4 in his last three contests. So here's the thing. Norlander has a huge price bump. I've been playing him a ton, but I prefer Doc Redman. I prefer EVR. I prefer the guy below him and Sam Burns. So although I like Norlander, it's just tough to get there, especially when the putter has been his biggest weapon and that's not historically his weapon and he's gaining in a major way with the putter. What happens if he goes out there this week and only gains one stroke putting? And maybe he doesn't miss the cut, but it's really hard to see him picking up enough points to outscore some of these other guys in the range that also would make the cut. Sam Burns had a lot of success finishing top 10 here last year. His recent form has been pretty impressive and promising and consistent. He's finished 24th, 30th, 17th in his last three events. He's gained T green in all three of those events. And as always, Sam Burns is going to be one of the best short game players in any field that he enters, and he can get extremely hot with that. His approach play has been improving since coming off the fourth best approach event that he's ever had. And then again, the putter remains his weapon. He's gained 1.9 strokes putting in his last five tournaments, pretty much since the restart. So you're getting consistent putting on a place that's easier now to hit the fairways and the greens and regulations. And the approach play in that ball striking in general has been improving and he's been playing confident and finishing great. And then when the putter clicks, if you can nail anything with your irons and pin some shots within five feet, you're really going to pop off. So $8,500 Sam Burns, I do like. The rest of this 8K range, yeah, get some pieces if you want. Patrick Rogers has been playing well as of late. Brian Harmon's been playing well as of late. But then you look at guys towards the bottom, and I am a little bit concerned about guys, I would say, like a Max Homa. Max Homa at 8K has not gained strokes putting since the return. He gained strokes gained putting in five events in a row before the return. So something's happening with Max Homa's putter. He's missed three out of his last four cuts on the number. So he's not playing as bad as he seems. He's just barely getting cut, right? So he's not finishing dead fucking last or having these blow up rounds. But it is a concern that the putter is just not there with him at all right now. He's on average losing 1.6 strokes per contest over its last five. That's not good to see. His around the green play has always been an issue. So he's kind of just losing the short game in general right now. I did place a bet on him at 90 to one, just because I do think in this type of a field, he, if he has a decent round putting finally after a month and a half, uh, he will pop off. So I got him at 90 to one right now. Again, you can check out that betting video. Uh, three straight missed cuts for Brian Harmon. He's been at, bad everywhere. That's a concern for me. His putting has been shaky. He just appears to be sort of a 7k golfer, like a lot of these guys do, especially with his recent form. So uh, out of this range, I would say that probably the range that's below Sam Burns, Patrick Rogers, probably the guy who stands at the most to me, because uh, Ryan Moore, Brian Harmon, Max Loma, although they're decent players for this tournament, uh, their form hasn't been there and they're kind of shaky at best. So that was a long time in the 8K plus range, but do not worry because I wanted to make sure you got the in-depth details and uh, there'll be a lot more on Patreon as well. So be sure to support over there, especially if you bink something, but we're going to be having live streams this week for all of the showdown contests here. So be sure to come back to the channel, hitting the subscribe button and notification bell, let you know when I go live and NBA starts next week. So we'll have that uh, content kind of mixed in as well 
well. And as always, all the NFL content going out. So seven carries, I'll point out the guys who really stand out. Uh, you can see some X's on some names, but Will Gordon and Carlos Ortiz, both at 7,700. I think one of them will end up going lower owned. It's the same price syndrome that I talk about in my NFL daily fantasy course. When they're going to be the same price, Will Gordon and Carlos Ortiz, one of them naturally will get piled onto more in content. Uh, honestly, I think Will Gordon might be the one who picks up the more ownership here, which makes Carlos Ortiz for me just a fine play. So I'm fine going back to Ortiz who made the cut last week. I ended up going to him in my, in my main lineup with Roy McIlroy. I wanted to fit in Rory. So he ended up being the guy to let me get there. So Ortiz is fine to me, but I think a lot of people probably go back to Will Gordon, somebody who's shown a lot of pedigree uh, and status and is still playing for his own status. He lost 2.6 strokes putting at the uh, Rocket Mortgage that ended up losing, missing the cut for him at an easy course. But his early success is similar to only a handful of current elites. He's gained T to green in four out of his last five contests, and he's gained in putting outside of that last contest. He's gained in three out of his last four. So the, both of these guys, 7,700, have interest in both, have interest in guys like RCB, Scott Stallings, Fratelli, Troy Maris have been playing very well as of late. So these guys are in play for me. Uh, Richie Warniski might be my favorite play in the 7K range when you factor in price point. Um, maybe that's a bold statement, but at 7,400, I think he's one of the better plays in this price range. Now, don't get me wrong. The fellow can easily go out there and miss the cut this week, but the consistency in his game, especially when you factor in a $7,400 price point, and he actually did play here last year, has been nice to see, especially when you also factor in that He's very similar, at least how he's been playing right now, to some of these 9K players and definitely a lot of the 8K players. So when you're looking at him right now, Ed Richie, and if I'm pronouncing the last wrong name I, or last name wrong, I apologize. If golf had a lot more cameras on some of these guys, I would know their names more. Uh, but Werniski, Werniski, uh, anyways, what you're getting from him, five straight made cuts. And since the return, all he's done is made cuts, four straight, 58th, 46th, 21st, and 35th place finishes. What you're getting out of him right now is some strong approach plays starting to show. And if that clicks at all this week, it's going to be very nice. Now, naturally, he's a guy who's going to gain with the putter. He can get really hot with the putter, gain seven and a half strokes of the Charles Schwab, but he just gained 6.3 strokes on approach last week and he gained 3.3 strokes of the Travelers. Those were two of his better uh, strokes gain performances in his career. His third best finish was at the workday um, where he gained 6.3. He did not play last week at the Memorial. So what I'm looking right now is just a guy in this range that has a lot of upside, made cut equity in a weaker field at that price point and can score as well. I do like that. Going down a little bit more. So Ventura is a guy who's just missed a ton of cuts right now. He's only made like one cut of his last 10, but he does have upside if he can make the cut. Just not a guy I'm going to get a lot of. Cameron Tringali's down here. I was surprised to see Tringali at this price point, $7,200 for a guy who's borderline. And in this field, he's about a top 20 scorer when it comes to DraftKings. He's pretty much top 25 in every other department uh, when it comes to just strokes gain, ball striking, strokes gain off the tee, tee to green, all those types of things. And you're getting him at a very, very cheap price point. So pretty interesting to see that for, at a $7,200 tag. I do like that out of him. Uh, Chase Seifert, a guy at $7,000 flat who uh, has gained a lot with the putter and he chipped in at the last time that we ended up seeing Seifert. So although his game has been improving, he has been doing it in some, I would say, inconsistent and just not sustainable ways. But at $7,000 flat, he's still a guy that I do want to get exposure to. But lots of guys in this range that I'll definitely have pieces of. And based on ownership, I might get a lot more than I was expecting, like Rio, like Tom Hogue, like guys like Zingzu Zhang, Taylor Gooch. All these guys have been playing well. If Matthias Schwab can putt, he should finish pretty nicely or finish pretty nicely for you at the 7K range. So uh, that's the 7K range. Guys that stand out probably the most are Richie Wernicke, uh, Cameron Tringale, Chase Cipher, and then Carlos Ortiz and Will Gordon up at the top. I think they all stand out. Lots of other names, of course, that are going to be getting uh, some marks and definitely being in my player pool. I expect there'd be somewhere around 90 players in my MME player pool. So of course, a lot of the guys in the 7K range will end up making the cut there for me. What you're getting out of Chase Cipher to finish up is a top 10 uh, putter in this field and a 40th ranked DraftKings score in this field amongst his peers. To the 6K range, we head right now. And I will also mention again, $50 giveaway. Salvation Show. Go subscribe and review. If you enjoy this content, 
it pushes it up that rankings and more people can see us. If we can get to the top 10, that would be wildly, wildly awesome for us. So looking at it right now, as we look down this list in the 6K range, lots of interesting golfers, uh, to say the least, are going to be popping up in this range, guys, that you probably will never play again in your life. And maybe I wouldn't either, but a name that really does stand out, $6,900, Jason Hadley. I was very interested and in, in maybe even shocked to see Jason Halley down in this range. A guy who I have a lot of interest in coming in. I, I think I got him. I, I couldn't remember the difference between him and Tringali. I got one at 125 to one at one at 140. I'll have to go back and look, but it's going to be in the betting show. But his approach play has been very solid the last couple of weeks. And, and just in general, what you're getting out of this guy is somebody who can go out there and score. He's number seven in this field in overall approach play. He's he's a top 10 player when it comes to DK scoring, top five actually. And you're just going to get a guy who's probably still lower owned. And yes, I, I will give you the fact that he's been inconsistent. But for this price point, it's 6,900. I was shocked to see it. I thought he was going to come in at like 7,500. He has missed cuts. He has finished outside the top 50, but that's in full field events with loaded fields at the workday, right? At the RBC, at the Charles Schwab, he finishes 23rd. He misses the cut at the Rock and Mortgage. The only time he's missed a cut since the return, made the cut in three out of the four other places. And now it's a much easier week for him. Now, the short game always be a concern because of his around the green play, but the approach play has clicked at spots and at times and mainly during the return. So, yeah, Hanley's a guy that I like at $6,900. I'm not going to say I feel extremely confident in any of these guys, but I do like him. Guys like Vaughn Taylor stand out. Kyung Hong Lee stands out. Matthew Naismith had a lot of struggles at Mirrorfield Village just because his game is around the green play and his distance didn't set up well there. I think on a shorter track here that relies less on around the green, he'll stand out a little bit more. Hudson Swarford is somebody that's been coming on as of late. Hudson Swarford is probably somebody that I get a decent amount of. We've seen him having some top finishes since the return and now in a weaker field where honestly, he's one of the best golfers in the 6K range, which is crazy to say, uh, but Hudson Swarford at best price point is $6,700. Somebody that I'm going to go to, he's going to be a yes for me. You look at him since the return and it's kind of up and down, but what you're getting this year, a ninth place, a 21st, a missed cut, a 30th, and then a missed cut at the workday, which was just a tough course in general. So you're looking at it and it wasn't a crazy missed cut. It's not like he blew up anywhere. Just it was kind of off with his approach and never really went extremely low any round for the first two, but his approach play can get very hot. So in this range, that's just all you're looking for, a narrative for somebody to get really hot. Danny Lee's been uh, struggling, but he could be decent. Cameron Percy, uh, Seamus Power has been playing really well as of late at $6,500. I think that's somebody that's at least interesting to look at based on this really cheap price point for a guy who's been producing some pretty strong performances and the biggest thing for us that we want in this range making the cut and then the daunting below $6,400 range and $6,400 and below Putnam and Nick Watney probably stand out down here a decent amount Aaron Bagley stands out as one of the most I would say just complete and just long-term best golfers but you're just banking on what he's been doing the last year and it has not been that great the more you go down David Lingworth is here I think he was a late add and an alternative into this field David Hearn is down here so some of these golfers you just have to look into their profiles and again there's like 156 golfers total in this field after all the, the withdrawals and replacements have happened. So I'm not going to say that I've looked into every single one of these guys in this range. And that's something that I was trying to do yesterday. Even guys like Matt Every, names that you're going to notice down here. Matt Every, I'm pretty sure. And this is a weaker field, so it's going to be easier for him. But this is a guy who's coming off of six straight missed cuts, eight out of his like last nine contests he's missed a cut. Similar things can be said for David Hearn. So like looking down at this exact 6K range, I don't want anything. Like I've looked into yesterday when I was on my flight, I clicked the name on every single one of these. Like Atwell has had a decent round, but like you're looking at every single one of these 6k flat players i'm sure one or two or three of them are going to make the cut right tyler mccumber is probably the name that stands out the most right down here here at 6100 matt every's another one but they have not been playing well so really right now below 6100 or 6100 or below even 6200 and below 
I'm really not getting much. Now, I'm sure something pops up in my exposures, but I might just X out a lot of these players. Kevin Toy is another name. Honestly, it just stops right around like the $6,400 range uh, with guys like Josh Teeter, Nick Watney, and Andrew Putnam. For me personally, this range is most weeks kind of inconsistent, but you can usually find some diamonds in the rough. Henrik Norlander was down here at $6,300 last week, which is just a complete misprice. But this week, it's just going to be really tough. I'll be looking into these players. I'll be profiling them more. I'll be coming back on the Wednesday live stream. I'll be coming back, especially talking my strategy, ownership takes, all of that what my exposures are looking like on the Wednesday closing thought show that is only on Patreon. Projections and rankings will be up today. So all those things will be there. So be sure to check it out. Again, the most important stuff is the guy who's are going to carry ownership, right? That's what we want to look at. So $7,500 and above and really 8K and above where all the guys normally pick up double digits, 20 plus percent ownership. I think we covered them pretty in depth on this show. So I hope you all enjoyed it. I hope you all take a second of your time to hit the like button, the big one right there, and the big old subscribe button, probably less than 100 subscribers away by the time you're watching this, 223,000. And I'm excited to get to potentially 25,000 NBA videos are going to be coming out next week. NFL videos are popping off like five days a week as of right now, as always. So be sure to check those out when you have some time in your day. Thank you so much for tuning in. Check out Superdraft promo code SAL if you want to support this channel. You get $10, but it also does help this channel, letting them know you come for me to keep them as a partner of this channel. Sal Vetri Show, $50 giveaway. You might have a 50-50 chance this week. You might have a 20% chance. Either way, it's a pretty good chance of $50. Just leave a review, five stars. Really appreciate that. Something nice about the show. Like and subscribe before you go. Check me out on Patreon. I appreciate you all so much. Thanks for tuning into another video, another golf video for the Millie Maker at the 3M Open. I wish you the best of luck and I'll see you later in the week. Peace out, gang.